You're listening to Shared Sagas, an Australian RPG actual play podcast. This podcast features adult language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, and welcome to Shared Sagas. This is going to be a very special one-shot of Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition by Chaosium. In particular, we are playing through the Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition Quick Start Adventure, the classic Call of Cthulhu adventure, The Haunting. Honestly, an adventure that has probably been played through over the years more than any other Call of Cthulhu scenario. It always turns out differently. It's going to be lots of fun. Let's find out who is playing today. Let us begin with you. Hi, my name is Nadia and I am playing Keiko Kane. She is a science student, 21 years old, lives in Arkham, came from San Francisco originally, and she is of Japanese origin. Fantastic. And so uh, describe what uh, Keiko looks like and also what her basic personality is. Sure. She's got a slim physique, below average height, thick dark hair, glasses, and a broad smile. Um, Her ideology and beliefs are science, given the time, can explain everything. She doesn't believe in ghosts and wants to find scientific explanation for such weird happenings. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Okay, then. And you, sir? I'm Nick, and I am playing uh, Nevada Jones, (laughs) who generally informally just goes by the name of The Professor. Okay. He prefers people call him that. And it, that's definitely a, a thing he's built up around the university, you know, the professor. Just go see the professor. He's a rough-around-the-edges archaeologist. Okay. He does teach. He prefers to wear, like, rough-and-tumble, ready-rare. On an average day, you'll catch him in sort of tan khaki, sandy-coloured shirt with the sleeves rolled up, brown leather waistcoat, Sam Brown belt. You know, it always looks like he's ready to be out, out of the university in a minute, <laughs> and off adventuring. He does love teaching, but the call of the wild is, you know, strong to him. Great. That's yeah, that's awesome. And, I mean, just to, just to be clear, we're using the pre-gens from the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition box set, which is really, really great, and we'll be possibly doing the adventures that are in that as well. But the pre-gens are really cool, and they're very straightforward, so I thought we'd use them today. Uh, Nevada Jones is very clearly an Indiana Jones... This um, was not my doing. Uh, 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 pastiche. Pastiche, yes, thank you. Let's call it that way. Complete with... Akubra and all. Okay, so what binds you together is a couple of things. First of all, you have recently opened up a private detective agency in the city of Boston, and this adventure takes place in 1920 in Boston, Massachusetts. You are members of a secret society, not, not really a secret society, of an academic society known as the Society for the Exploration of the Unexplained. It is an informal extracurricular society based at the Miskatonic University in Arkham. The society was founded in 1889 by a group of professors and students who had a mutual interest in unexplained phenomena. The SEU has gained some minor public notoriety through their assistance in a number of police investigations that came to the attention of the press. The members of the society are often sought out by the authorities as well as private individuals who are in need of help with all manner of strange mysteries. Nowadays, you normally just meet once a month in private reading in a private reading room of the university's library, where tales of exploits are shared and current mysteries c- conjectured. 
So when an interesting case is presented, the leaders of the SEU choose the most suitable investigators from amongst its members to tackle the mystery. And that is what brings us to the opening scene today. Do we want to go into our history? Actually, yes, please do. So first of all, go into your personal history, how you came to know each other and so forth. So I believe, as discussed, uh, the professor was working on an investigation, perhaps looking into a renowned psychic of the mm, area. Mm, some kind of medium spiritualist left over from the 1800s or some nonsense. Yeah. Mm. And basically, uh, Keiko, as his teacher assistant one day, walked in and saw these notes and scribblings and photographs on his desk and was able just to kind of looking through these things as a bit of a nosy person that she is, was able to kind of piece together that this person was a fraud and was able to point that out to the professor. Ever since then, their mutual interest in both the paranormal and specifically Keiko's enjoyment of disproving um, the paranoia, paranormal or being able to explain it through scientific means means that they have an interesting intellectual connection. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And conversely, I was thinking, just like Keiko has shown me that, you know, not everything is, you know, occultish. Mm-hmm. One time, you know, I saw a number of artifacts around my office, you know, a typical ramshackle professor's office, but included with many, many artifacts. Right. And one time, late at night, Keiko perhaps heard whispering coming from one of the artifacts. Our uh, one that, you know, in sort of the locked, the locked cabinet. And, you know, after going through several different possible explanations of scientifically why this might be true, is left with this feeling that perhaps, so, you know, we both benefit from each other's, you know, I have that occult knowledge. Nice. And you have that scientific rationale knowledge. Thus, we make a good investigative team as we both keep each other open to... We kind of cover each other's blind spots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. And that's, a re- that's an awesome dynamic. So, as we begin our scene today... We see the interior of a small reading room in the Miskatonic University Library. The two of you are there. You are packed and ready because you know that you are to meet with a client that has got a case for the society and that you are going to be paid relatively handsomely to do this one. Not always the case, by the way. You you don't often get paid for everything. Sometimes the society will just ask you to do something for the academic thrill of it all or just for the um for various other reasons but in this particular case no it's a paid job so that'll be great it is october outside we can see of course the the fall leaves decorating the, the huge green grass of the Miskatonic University lawn and we pan in and we can see the two of you sitting in the beautiful rich Chesterfield couches yes. around a small reading table. Oxflood Red. Of course. Yes. Of Good. course. No, Wingback chair. Yes, yes. <laughs> a little a little fireplace roaring in the corner and uh, a nice big thick red carpet separating the two of you as your client as, as expected, mm-hmm. at, at approximately 8am, knocks on the door. I assume one of you lets the client in. You, you, you are told, by the way, it isn't a mystery, you are told mm-hmm. that the client is a landlord called Mr. Knott, uh, who has a job for you regarding a house in Boston. Okay. All right, so, so just to clarify, we are in Miskatonic now, where yes. we're based, but the job is in Boston. Is in Boston. Okay, right, Sorry. Right. Yes. No, no, I, that, that sort of tallied with what you said before, but I just wanted to make sure. No, no, that's a, good, a very a very good thing to point out. This is, this is just a little prologue, I guess, as you yeah. as you meet the client and find out. Prologue-y. Indeed. So, opening the door, you can see Mr. Knott. Mr. Knott is a short, scrawny man. He's all skin and bones. He's got oily black hair, which is slicked back. He's someone who's probably in his 
late twenties, but looks more like late thirties. He so obviously like, has a lot of drinking and smoking. So and like his, a rat that was turned into a human. Basically, yes, like an animorph that was stuck halfway through. Yeah, okay. Like uh, a rat animorph. <laughs> go 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 go! Applegate reference. Jesus. Um, <laughs> He has very thin sort of reading glasses. I mean, they're spectacles, but they're so narrow that they look more like reading glasses. And he peers at you for a second over them. And then it is dressed in a very a relatively expensive suit, though. Like, his suit is well-maintained well and well-pressed. And is, he's obviously very upper middle class, which being a landlord, you presume would, in fact, be the case. Mm-hmm. He has a satchel tucked under his right arm. And he... He doesn't look nervous, but just kind of looks around in curiosity. He, he, you can tell that uh, straight away, you can see that he sort of finds this whole thing a little bit strange, but probably is leaning towards uh, desperation. So, he gives you a little a little nod of his head and extends a hand to shake uh, whoever opens the door, actually, whether it be... It'd be me. Okay, well, he, he offers you a handshake, and then you he goes and sits down and says, uh, Hello, thank you so much for agreeing to take this case. I realise it's... I mean, it's a little bit unusual. I mean, as you may have been told, uh, I'm the landlord for a house in central Boston. It's it's known as the Corbett House. The former tenants, the Macario family, they were involved in a tragedy a few months ago. And since then, honestly, the owner has not been able to rent out the house. Or should I say, I have not been able to rent out the house successfully since then. And it's getting to be a bit of a problem. The, the owner wishes to understand the mysterious happenings of the house and set matters straight. It's... It's an older place. Now hold up there, chum. Am I to understand that you're not the owner? No, I'm the landlord. I see. I work for the owner. Mm, sometimes they're the one and the same. No, that, that's. I'm sorry, that's true. I should perhaps have clarified, pardon me. And who is the owner? Uh, well, my... My, <laughs> my employer doesn't really wish to become involved in this. He finds the whole thing rather strange, but... Um, uh, his name is Mr. Daintree. So as to solve your case, best to give us all the information you understand. Listen, the important thing is that Mr. Daintree really wants this matter solved and solved quickly. He's, he's willing to give you $25 a day each for as long as it takes to solve this. And uh, hopefully it, uh, you know, doesn't go on for too long. But the house has a history. Uh, it is rumored to be haunted. And I understand that you deal with uh, paranormal dealings. I don't believe in this stuff myself, but the owner wants to check off every box. And frankly, if he can come to future, if I can go to future tenants and say at the very least I've had professional ghost hunters go in and clear the place as not haunted, then uh, who knows? Maybe that'll do something for the suspicious minded. Just to clarify, we are not professional ghost hunters. Ghosts don't exist. He actually blinks at you in surprise. I'm I'm sorry, I thought that was your whole organization's deal. I thought you hunted ghosts. We're a little bit more complex than that. Uh, Pardon me, ma'am. I meant no offense. I have some questions, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. So you said that it had a history prior to this most recent family tragedy? Uh, yes. No, it, it's, it sure did. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of incidents and tragedies in the house over the years before I t- came on board, of course. I see. And this most recent tragedy, can you elaborate? Uh, honestly, no, I can't. I, I don't know the details myself. I know that the previous residents are no longer in the house. I think they're, uh, I mean, they're, they're in jail or something. There was, there was some problem. It wasn't like there was a murder or anything like that, but it was, it was some terrible incident that had them, uh, removed from the house in some way. I see. I know it's not a murder because that's something that has to be declared and I have to declare. Would you be able to furnish us with... Uh, any details of the house in paperwork, perhaps the schematics of the house, 
any documentation on ownership prior to Mr. Daintree? Well, honestly, uh, I don't really have a lot of those records, but I can I can certainly tell you that you can find that information there on site in Boston. You can go to the Boston Globe, you can head to the Central Library, or even the Hall of Records. Okay. And uh, what do you think? At the very least, I can pro- probably provide you a floor plan. That would be great. I'd appreciate that. Okay. Any thoughts or further questions, Mr. Jones? What's that in your satchel, then? I assumed it was a big load of information for us. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is for other clients. This is, uh, you're not my only stop today. Whilst I'm in the university, I'm, um, whilst, whilst I'm here, I'm going to be uh, overseeing a bunch of other properties. Fair enough. And this Mr. Daintree, he wants it handled quickly and quietly? Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> Obviously, no further scandal is wanted. Uh, mm. Discreetly find out whatever you can about the place and give it the all clear mm. for, for not covered by ghosts, and we're good to go. And you happen to know the resident, the current residents of the Macario family? Uh, no, I don't, actually. I, I know that they were removed from the house before I came on board as a landlord. I, I've, I think How long ago was that? Oh, uh, that was a few months ago. Hmm. How many? How many what? Months ago. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. He, he looks up his dates. Yeah. He says, um, uh, uh, two months ago. Two months two ago. Months. He scribbles out like, I have a little fold-over notepad and uh-huh. yellow pages in the middle, much like the one I'm holding right now. He just makes a note of that. Okay, um, sounds good. Where might we reach you, should we have further questions? Oh, uh, well, uh, the fact of the matter is, he gives you his uh, his telephone number and yep. says, uh, I should be back at my office in Boston. If you really need to contact me, then do so. But I'm a, I'm a busy man. I'll leave mm. you to your business, but... Uh, do you have keys to the place, or are we just expected to smash in a window? Oh, no, 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 of course. Like, he, he, fumble, he fumbles in his satchel, and he, and he pulls out a key. Mm. And actually, he says, actually, wait a minute. And like, looks, looks through some of the older paperwork, like paperwork that he has tucked deeper into the satchel, and then he pulls out a floor plan and says, ah, that's it. There you go. Ah, brilliant. Useful chap. He <laughs> just raises an eyebrow and says, well, if that's all, I'll bid you good day and uh, best of luck. Oh, wait, here's a 25 in advance for your first day. And he, he hands you $25 each, which is a lot. It's like, yeah. it's like 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah the, the equivalent thereof. How long does it take to travel? I mean, I've got no idea of American geography. How far is it from Miskatonic to Boston? Um, it's not very far. It's all in the New England area. So oh, it, okay. it, a few hours, like less, less than a day. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I think that's it as far as I'm concerned, as far as questioning goes. Yep, same with me. Yeah. Okay. In that case, I think we cut to you two in a car in your in your vehicle, uh, mm-hmm. driving through uh, the streets of Boston. You enter Boston from the north, so Port Town in the 1920s. We are right in the middle of Prohibition, so no booze for you. None of it. I absolutely have booze in what appears to be an old <laughs> artifact. Everybody like has booze. I've oh, hold out. More people have booze. Prohibition. <laughs> so I, I, you know, deep in the deep in the Brazilian jungle, I found this <laughs> idol that hurts to look upon. It appears to be some sort of octopus-headed, crouched figure uh-huh. surrounded by coals. Anyway, I took it, hollowed it out, and filled it with booze, and stuck a little cork in his head. And now. That's what I drink out of, and no one wants to go near the damn thing. Like, you know, every time I get pulled over, the police want to look at it, and you see the sanity ebbing from their face, and it's, it's absolutely the best hip flask I've ever had. It's fantastic. Of course, none of that is correct. Now, as, you can, <laughs> as we see the car pull down the main city street, it is October. It is later on that afternoon. We'll say it's about two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon. So you've been driving for most of the day. And the fall leaves are descending all around. You can see that the, you know, the streets are relatively busy. Uh, and of course, my question to you is where you would like to go to first. You've, you, as seasoned investigators, you know yeah. that it's often prudent to do some research on a place before you go mm-hmm. there. 
the examples I would give is the Boston Globe, obviously. Um, that's the newspaper, isn't it? That's correct. While they're not always forthcoming with records and clippings of old news stories and stuff that may have made the papers, it could be something that you can convince someone there to show you. You've also got the Central Library. That's always a great <laughs> a yep. great place for any Call of Cthulhu adventure to begin research is the library. Can I just say, first of all, during the trip... Um, she would have been studying the, the floor plan. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I assume I'm driving. Yes, because I shouldn't be looking at the floor plan and driving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Keiko, may be re- Keiko may be reckless. <laughs> so is there anything that I need to roll for that or anything that I can see? Um, she's basically just looking for inconsistencies. Oh, I get you. Yeah. No. So look, it's 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 a very very straightforward uh, house map. Um, I will tell you that basically it, it's not a, it's not a huge mansion. This is not a an incredibly large place. So effectively, you've got the ground floor, and supposedly there is a you know living room, dining room, kitchen, and then there's sort of three smaller rooms uh, as well. It's one of those houses that's very rectangular. Does that make sense? Facing away. So like the think of it like it's a rect it's a rectangular shape with the uh, the small side of the rectangle being the front. Yeah, small but deep. It yeah. goes back, and the houses in this neighbourhood are effectively... It's like Swan Road. It's like Swan Road. All the house fronts are very, very small, but they go very, very deep. It, exactly right. Almost that sort of British layout. Yeah. Um, and then you've got... Uh, supposedly, there's a basement, as is, as is typical, and then the upper story is basically just, you know, three three bedrooms and a smaller room like office or whatever who knows yeah it's a relatively straightforward place and when are these when is this floor plan dated uh so the floor plan is dated it's his that he was given to oversee the property now so we'll say it's actually about three months old okay. i will uh, during the drive while you're looking at it i'll turn to cake and say what's your wager charlatan trying to drive up prices or criminal or supernatural i know you won't get supernatural but you know of the other two what do you reckon it's hard to tell. A lot of the time with house hauntings, the reason if it is someone who is creating these disturbances would be because they do not wish someone to reside in that place. So it may be that Mr. Daintree has a uh, enemy who is trying to you know, reduce his income, by mm. making sure that he can't profit from the tenancies. Um, it may be that somebody who once owned that home wants nobody else to live there. That would be my money. I bet there's some body buried there. Someone killed someone, buried the body in the basement, and now is keeping the place haunted so no one lives there and finds out their crime. That's my money. Five shiny dollars says if it's a charlatan, it's that motivation. You know me, I don't gamble. I know. That's why it's always a safe bet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So where would you like to go to first? I think, um, this is just my thinking, but Keiko kind of wants to get a lay of the land, quite literally. Mm -hmm. So she's got this floor plan. She's just looking at digging up any information on the house's history at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So either the library to find town records Mm -hmm. or the Globe would be fine because there would be reporting on the instances that have, you know, the hauntings or bad happenings that have happened previously. Yeah, so I'll say the library, Hall of Records, or the Globe. Which one would you like, would you like to go to? And, oh, like, Hall of not. Records, I suppose, then, of those three. Okay, and you're what okay. Do you think? Remember, always, accommodation first. Do you remember what happened in Peru? Don't a repeat of that now, do we? I can't remember what happened in Peru. We've talked about this. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> sort out some accommodation nearby, I reckon. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, good for reconnaissance. Then, yes, Hall of Records. Sounds good. 
Do you want to find a location to stay that's near the house? Near-ish. I want to be able to get there in a hurry, and if we're doing late-night reconnaissance, trying to catch a murder in the act, as it were, I don't want to bloody have to catch a bloody trolley home. I see. Okay. Okay. You're just well, looking for a hotel that's uh, close, okay. hopefully within eyesight or, um, or eyeline of it. Well, just a, uh, in the 20s, if I recall, there's uh, equivalent of better break- yeah, rooms. Just find a set of yeah. rooms nearby because, uh, yeah, because there was after okay. the war. People had big houses. Huge houses. Everyone that lost whole the families upkeep. in the war. And, yeah, so a set of rooms maybe, maybe even just on the, not directly opposite, well, but well, further down the street, essentially. No, that's okay. So look, it's Boston. There's definitely, there's definitely lots of little hotels. And if you wanted to find a local, a local hotel yeah. that's, you know, in the neighbourhood, uh, approximately that's very easy to do so we'll just have a, a little montage of you checking into yeah. a hotel with a very prim and proper uh, middle-aged red-headed woman who shows you up to a I mean it's nothing fancy it's, no, very, no, no. it's very spartan but it's two single beds and it's just a regular sort of brown and grey decor inside yeah. the wallpaper's a little cracked and the window's a little bit frosted with grime but apart from that it's perfect what's the price like a dollar a night or it's, something? yeah it's like a dollar a dollar a night yeah. outrageous oh, it is outrageous so we'll, we'll say that you, you set up shop there yeah, yeah. yeah, you put some, maybe put some paperwork in here. Um, question: Do we have a view of the house from this place? Y- y- no, that's probably a bit much. It's, it's more okay. of a residential neighbourhood. There is, a, it's, close. It's, it's close enough. Good enough. You put it this way: you could walk to the house in like five, ten minutes. Good enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's discreet and out of the way. Mm. So actually, I mean, listen, I, I realise we're not you know going into a tense situation yet, but my question to you is, and it's probably important to note this as you sort of begin the adventure and start to beat the street, as it were. Whom amongst you is Packing armed. heat. Who's packing heat? You can. You know, it's it's perfectly legal to. This is the this is an era. This is a year where for two hundred dollars you can mail order a Tommy gun. I don't think that Keiko would have a gun. She. What's interesting is in her in her weapons, she's got a silver pen knife and a hockey stick. I don't think she's going to be walking around with a hockey stick. No, but we'll say that maybe like in any investigative roll occasionally violence is needed so let's say you have there's a backup that's why like, I have him in, maybe in the car or something it's, it's there. all your equipment is there if you need it but it can just be in the car or it can the be hockey like... stick is in the car then okay. I've got the silver pen knife in my purse mm-hmm. and I've got this brick yep great I will have my gun on me okay and a set of it's not listed here but I I, I carry a pair of knuckle dusters as well right. now fisticuffs okay that's always nice. some kind of ruffian trying to take my artifacts off me claiming no, they're the real owners and I'm just pillaging their land I, I hate to put I I hate to put the paranoia in you so early, but I'm just laying it all out so we don't have a situation where I, uh, I didn't mention, but I had three shotguns. So, with that then, you are going to... Yeah, you, you pack up, you put all your stuff in the hotel room, you get it all nicely secured, and then you make your way to the Hall of Records, I believe. Mm. So the Hall of Records is a very, very boring-looking, nondescript government building. But, you know, it's an older it's an older town, so it is still one of those large, almost slightly gothic-looking places. As you walk in, you can see that there is an elderly man with a shortly trimmed grey beard behind the counter, and uh, he just sort of looks you up and down as you walk in, and he says, Hello there, how can I help you? Uh, we're trying to find some records on the Corbett house. I'm hoping that you can assist with pulling them for us. He takes a deep breath as though he really doesn't feel like doing this this morning, and says, Uh, may I ask what for? We've been sent to investigate the happenings of that house by the landlord, Mr. Knott, and the owner, Mr. Daintree. It's all on the up and up, I promise you. No, it's it's fine. I mean, listen, he can't can't stop you. The Hall of Records are accessible. Public access, right. Exactly right. So he leads you to the general direction, you know, pulls out a great big stack of files and puts them on a table for you to sort of sit there, surrounded by cigarette smoke cloaking the air as, you know, some people sort of cough and 
shuffle through paper around you in this big echoing building. Anybody that wants to can give me a library roll. Are you better at library? I would assume so. I'm 50. What are you? 40. Okay. I am going to try and, while you research, and I'm going to try and sweet talk the guy into maybe uh, get, you know, pulling out stops for us. Oh, so helping you out? Almost yeah, like uh, I'm going to get him to research any crime around the area or anything. Okay. Can you, okay, good. so first of all, uh, what, what do you say to him? And then depending on how you role play, I might give you a bonus dice. All right. So I will basically, so he, he looks bored. He, he, he looks bored. It looks like he's jittering for something. Get him excited. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over there. and I'm, In my pockets, I have like little knickknacks and things. You know, and I've got like an, underneath my shirt, I've got like a, a big tooth on a chain and everything. Okay. There. All right, chum. You see this? Do you know what animal this came from? I'm sure I do not, sir. This is from a saber-toothed tiger. A Smilodon. You know, you might think they're extinct, but let me tell you, they may be now. After I ripped this from the drawer of this particular beast, and I, on in that manner, I will tell him a couple of thrilling stories. All right, Charles. Largely made up <laughs> about my adventures in deepest, darkest, you know, whatever <laughs> colonial country I was in. Um, and really get him involved in our little adventure here. And basically try to sell to him that if he were to help us, he could become part of this next amazing story, this next amazing adventure. Oh, okay. That's good. Okay. You can have a bonus die for that. Uh, so bonus tens. So, 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 yeah. So I'm sorry. We should go through the system since this is the first die roll. So this is a percentile system, just yeah, as it has always been using the Call of Cthulhu role playing game. Basically, you're going to make a percentile roll. You're going to try to get equal to or under your skill there. Now mm. you'll note that next to your skills, you've also got what appear to be your half and your fifth value. Okay, mm-hmm. so what that means is that if ever a skill, a task that I'm asking you to do is particularly difficult, you may have to actually roll equal to or under half your skill. And then if it's extremely difficult, if it's the kind of task that honestly, it's one step away from me saying, no, don't bother rolling, it's impossible, then you might have to get an extreme difficulty, yeah, which yeah. is your fifth value. And so it's all based basically, so the good news is that there's no math required when you roll. When you roll, it's just you look at the number, is it less than what you're going for? Yes, great. That's math, Tom. Okay, but you, you know what I mean. There's no addition or subtraction. I'm out. no one said that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm done. No one bloody told me that'd be counting. I was told there would be no math when you have now similar to like dnd fifth edition you have got advantage and disadvantage mm. what they call this is the bonus die okay so it is possible unlike dnd to get up to two bonus die or two penalty die and basically that's just an extra tens die that you roll and obviously Ooh. if it's a bonus one you take the best or the lowest the worst, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this case and let's see how we go so first of all what is your charm 50 okay that's that's pretty good now this is standard okay yeah. this is not an extreme incredibly difficult thing he's to a charm. bored he's a bored yeah. bureaucrat and i am an entertaining fellow let's do it all right so i got nine wow okay so what is your or 19 take your pick <laughs> so what is your fifth value uh as this would happen 10 Oh, okay. So I've got an extreme success. Yeah, exactly. So what that means is that's a critical success for you, okay? Mm. And the way that uh, critical failures work is it's 96 to 100 if your skill is less than 50. Mm -hmm. If your skill is 50 or higher, it's only 100. Yeah, okay. So it's good. So, you know, a doctor is not going to fail hard. Bollocks up a regular surgery. Bollocks up a regular surgery, you know, one time out of 20. (laughs) It's going to be a much more rare occurrence. So you get a critical success, which means you just see 
see his old eyes light up with excitement and he gets visibly almost agitated with um, this fervor of being in on this really cool case and he agrees to actually just help you with paperwork like he, yeah. he cuts around a lot of the stuff you don't need to know and so basically with that then Nadia you are going to make your library roll with a two with two bonus die can I just say also specifically what I was aiming for there was that if there was any sort of sealed records to do with crime or mm-hmm. anything that we weren't allowed to sort of access he he would give, yep. us, give it a sort oh. of sneaky and we'll get to that depending on the library roll so it's, it's funny you mentioned I don't understand how bonus die work with a percentile system okay so see this 10 one you're actually going to roll three of them and take the best or the lowest 78 well that's good because that wasn't good 58 so still not good enough 98 so no okay so not a single one so what was your skill uh 50 50 and you only got 58 was your lowest yeah okay so you damn know it what? keiko <laughs> No, that's okay. I got too drunk today. Yeah. I've forgotten how to read. So, I told you, stop drinking out of the Cthulhu flask. It's so, a two-sip max per day. So look, and here's a good case study in what to do in investigative games or in Call of Cthulhu games if you fail an information-gathering role. So it's always up to the keeper to determine what a failure means. So in this case, it does not mean you don't get the information. It just means it takes you a fucking long time. So you intended to pop in out of here in an hour or two. Mm-hmm. You are here most of, the, most of the afternoon. It was already mid-afternoon. It, you, it stretches on into the late hours of the evening. But and you would think that she hates this, but she loves it. I know. This is her jam. I, however, am getting restless. Yeah. You know, yes. I don't mind a bit of research, but it's really just seasoning for the adventure. Okay, so... And we've been in here a season too long. <laughs> okay, so what you find in this Hall of Records here is that the executor of Walter Corbett's will... And he was the original builder of the house, I presume. Yes, was a Reverend Michael Thomas, pastor of the Chapel of Contemplation and Church of Our Lord Granter of Secrets. That doesn't sound like a legit <laughs> church, Tom. The re- Now, here's, here's, what's in- <laughs> here's what's interesting. The Register of Churches notes that that the Chapel of Contemplation was closed in 1912, and there is a sizable chunk of records here missing because they fall under criminal activity. So if you want to find criminal records or legal records, Mm -hmm. you'll need to actually proceed to the police station because that's where they'll be hidden. But you do know that the builder, Walter Corbett, was in fact a member of this church and the Reverend Michael Thomas was the executor of his will and that the church was closed in 1912 due to criminal activity, undisclosed, uh, records of which are now at the police station. Can I... So Keiko presumably finds this at some point. Yes. Pacing around like a caged tiger, can I roll you do a history check mm-hmm. on that particular church? Uh... Given that I'm into the occult and into sort of these sort of things. Hmm... Or a cult. I mean, I can roll either. I assumed history. Okay, you know what? I will let you do... I mean, it'll be a very obscure history check. Yeah, yeah So, okay. it, you know what? It'll be an... Ext- you'll need an extreme success, honestly. But give it a go. Uh, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. And can I get my fellow to help me? You can, yes. Yeah, because I'll be like, hey, buddy, you know... He's a local. He's also a local, so yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And he's he's older, so that yeah, so that's fair. Both via oral tradition, via him, but also just looking around the records and things, and while we're here, mm-hmm. so that means I roll three dice then. Yes, you roll two tens yep. and one singles. Yep. And yeah, that's, and that, that, that's, that's, so three, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I did last time. Just make sure yeah. that's correct. 
Ooh, 33, which is a... Um, no, it's not. It's, oh, it's three off a spade um, <laughs> for, a, for a better success, but not an extreme. An extreme success is 12. So that's, oh, okay. No, no, no. no Sorry. So, no. so look, you, you, what you do get with that, though, is you do get the, you, you do get this gentleman mm. saying there's like, oh, it is, I, I remember there was, there was some incident, but uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it didn't make the papers. Okay. Uh, a, a word around the neighborhood was very strange indeed. It's, uh, honestly, I think that this could be one of the biggest incidents of crime in the city that never actually made the news. Mm. To me, that speaks to mob connections, maybe organized crime. He nods. I mean, very prolific in Boston at yeah. this time, particularly the Irish mob. So that makes a lot of sense. But he, he just shrugs. Could have been a cover up for a booze, for a speaking, a booze running factor. Well, that's 1912, a little bit before that. No, around, that's for sure. You think that's what you're going to get from the Hall of Records. Mm, yeah. um, and it's late in the evening now. So you can go to the library. The library is open after hours. Or you can go to the police station, which is certainly after hours. Try and sweet talk uh, someone at the police station to letting you look at old police records on stuff. I you think, might need a good story for that, though. I mm. think we close out. We get a little bit more information, so we go to the library first. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, sounds good. Before talking with the police, I'm trying to think of a slang word for the police and cops. Yeah, it's coppers. Before we talk to the coppers, I think we want to have a pretty good story laid out. They're more likely to listen to us, especially if we can point to, uh, you know, upcoming crime, as it were. And we find out what happened to the family that lived there. Some kind of criminal incident there. To the library. To the library. All right. So we cut to you moving across to the library. So it's dark, obviously. And there's just, you know, lanterns on the large, great big oaken tables. All around you, the huge gargantuan bookshelves loom surrounding you. But you find a nice comfortable nook and you settle in for some reading. You are allowed in after hours up to a certain point. So let's go ahead and make a library roll as you start to look up things about the history of the place. Now, do you want to have a look at the history of the house there? Keiko and I'll have a look at the history of the Church of the Keeper of Secrets. I think that's good. If you can maybe also add on to it the history of uh, maybe Corbett as well. Yes, Corbett. And if you have a... uh, Tell you what, I'll take Ancient, you take Modern. I'll do Corbett and the Keeper of Secrets. Why don't you have a look at the Macario and the house? Mm -hmm, I can do that. Break it into our respective areas. Um, Now with Keiko, one of her meaningful locations is libraries. I don't know if that has any kind of like mechanical impact to what's about to happen. Not not in particular here. What it means is that that's to do with uh, sanity, right? So if ever you encounter a situation where you can lose sanity, there's mechanics in the full rules, which allows you to retain some of that by, or, or healing your sanity loss by going to a meaningful location, your connections and stuff like that. Cool. So it won't apply in this particular case, but no, go ahead and give me a library use roll. Mine is a bar with strong drinks. Uh, 47. Woohoo. That's great. Okay. And so that is less than your... 47 under 50. Yep. Fantastic. Can you please give me two more rolls? 16. <laughs> nice. And 45. Oh my gosh. So three successful rolls. Your, yeah. your library skills are absolutely phenomenal. I'm so in the zone. You is 16 just... like a hyper success for you? Um, no. 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 Here's the situation. This is the history of the house. In 1835... A prosperous merchant builds the house, but immediately falls ill and sells it to a Mr. Walter Corbett, Esquire. In 1852, Walter Corbett is sued by neighbours who petition to force him to leave the area in consequence of his surious habits and unauspicious demeanour. <laughs> 
such a, <laughs> such a I don't like your child, man. Yeah. He has an inauspicious demeanor. It's <laughs> such a wild worst fucking thing to happen. Okay, evidently he won he wins this lawsuit, and his obituary in 1866 states that he still lived at the same place. It also states that a second lawsuit was being waged to prevent Corbett from being buried in his basement as provi- as provided by his will. <laughs> when, was, you, when you tell me there's a lie, there was no, somebody owes me five shiny dollars. There was no outcome to that second lawsuit. Or there's no outcome recorded. I'll tell you what, I bet he's Ballywell's still down there, rotting away and causing, uh, causing all kind of mayhem upstairs, either by some kind of occult hoo-ha, or maybe perhaps having, a, having this knowledge as a body in the thing is causing their paranoia to act up in a more scientific manner, as you would have it. Either way... I definitely think we need to put on our list of people to speak to the neighbours in the area, those that have been in this area for a very long time. Indeed. Seems like he's gotten himself quite a reputation. Mm. And this was a while ago. When was that? 1866. It was, yes. There might still be some, though, children at the time, old men. A lot of families can live in the same houses of their forefathers. Certainly true. History and memory can prevail a lot in suburbs like these. Especially when it comes to bitching about your neighbours. Exactly right. That would have been passed down. just imagine the old man complaining, I remember back when Corbett did this. We should also talk to the Undertaker. The Undertaker? The Undertakers. They have to keep meticulous records of who's buried where and when because of the whole grave robbing thing in the late 1800s, you know, Burke and Hare. Okay. So they might have a record. If we know he's buried somewhere, we know he's not in the basement. Well, it might be a sack of potatoes. Who knows? So, it is too late this evening to go to any other location unless you wanted to... I was researching Corbett and the the church. Um, so there's nothing here about that. That would fall under the uh, legal stuff. So for nothing any, about no record of the church in the library. It, its existence, and then the fact that the that the church was closed in 1912, and it wasn't. What about news stories? News stories on microfiche. Well, for that you'll need to go to the Boston Globe. What about um, just general information? What did when you? It was open, okay, actually, sorry. What, when it was open, when what, it was shut, where was the church? Was it a physical building or was it like a? Oh yeah, no, no, it, it's in the neighborhood, in fact. Oh yeah, okay. Well, all that kind of information. So, so the church was closed in 1912 and and to be clear it was closed it it was forcibly closed by the police we don't know why but we know it was closed you know the record of whatever that would be would be probably either either in the police station where was it it was in the same neighbourhood as the house and is it still there oh it's still there it's no longer functional it's a shuttered building it's a shuttered building yeah now this just keeps getting better and better roll to see if you can investigate in particular news stories and such yeah 22 22 okay so what you do find is an unpublished story from the Boston Globe in 1918. Although you're not in the Boston Globe, you do no. find some records here. So this is an unpublished story. So a 1918 features a story which is never published. It states that in 1880, a family of French immigrants moved into the house but fled after a series of violent accidents left the parents dead and three children crippled, and the house long stood vacant. In 1909, another family moved in and immediately fell prey to illnesses. In 1914... I mean, this this is just standard living in the 1900s. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Three children crippled, parents dead in the 1800s? Yeah, that sounds about like Tuesday. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In 1914, the oldest brother went mad and killed himself with a kitchen knife. And Had he been in the war? And the... No. And the, in a heartbroken family moved out. In 1918, a third family, the Macarios, mm-hmm. rented the house, but they left almost immediately after they became ill at the same time. So, Keiko, what do you think? Body in the basement? 
putrefaction and fumes, effluvium in the water vein, in the water main, mm. causing it to go mad. Sometimes these old houses can have uh, things like black mold that can cause behavior that would otherwise be considered quite mad. Mm. We have illness too. Two out of the four is ill. Mm. I mean, that may be a byword for mental instability, as is so often the case. Mm-hmm. It seems that these things happen with rapidity from when people move in mm-hmm. to when the event itself occurs, which leads me to believe that the house itself physically may be unfit for for humans to reside within, which mm-hmm. may not be what our employer wishes to hear, but it may be even more important for us to find this out um, and perhaps even m- make certain precautions when we enter the house ourselves. Mm. Good point. So scenario one. We have a basement in the body that's causing... A basement in the body? A uh, body in the basement that could be... Co- I've had a few too many swigs of the Cthulhu <laughs> flask. <laughs> it was pretty boring in here. We have a body in the basement that may or may, may, or may not be causing black mould and the like, causing illness and madness to spread. Or it may just be the house. Scenario two, we have a body in the basement, rumours of which cause already instable, unstable people to suffer from extreme attacks of paranoia and the like, and possibly sleeplessness, leaving to a decline in health. Scenario three, body in the basement, possible occult occurrences. I haven't, yeah, I haven't written off some kind of interference at this point. Mm. Somebody perhaps causing these incidents to occur somehow. But the years in which they span would make that a very interesting choice. Yes. That would be a dedicated individual and quite old by this date. Exactly. So that story, you know, about that... I heard that story about that man who was cursed and all his uh, all his descendants died by the age of 30. It turned out it was just this lunatic climbing into the window and killing them all. Some curse. Mm-hmm. Where's that guy? <laughs> Maybe he's Where is that guy? <laughs> I think I think the, the, I think the fellow shot him, if I recall. It shot him climbing into the window. Which begs the question, why didn't all these predecessors do the same thing? Yes. Uh, I think we retire for the night and maybe hit up the globe tomorrow, and then followed by the police station. I think so. You retire for the evening, and you awaken refreshed tomorrow. It's overcast today. It's not really raining. It's just, uh, you think it was drizzling a little bit early, but now the streets are just a little bit slick with uh, perspiration. As you make your way driving first to the police station or the globe? The globe. Yeah. I mean, police is the last one because they're the hardest to convince. Okay. So you make your way through to the Boston Globe. Can I also say that of all these things, we can't photocopy them, but, I mean, what's the method of copying in this day and age? Do you just take just notes? Transcription. Transcription. Yes. Take a photo. Can we, like... You have a camera. camera. Well, yeah. the problem is, is that the, oh, the take delay to, to... Yeah. No, I actually encountered this very issue the other day when we were we were like, oh, we had to look up when photocopiers were Oh, <laughs> no, existence. yeah, no, that's not for a while. It's the 60s, I think. Yeah. It came into... It was technically... In, in, in the, the photocopier was invented in 1937, oh. but it wasn't available Public, anywhere yeah. until... Yeah. Much later. Yeah, okay. So so. we transcribed some official-looking notes. Yeah, so, I mean, as a student, she would absolutely have shorthand. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, you're keeping records of all this. You're taking more records to show other people. Mm, that's a bit more difficult. But to be wanna... fair, in in this world where nobody photocopies, that's going to carry a lot more weight than it does today. That's very true. If you say, here are the notes I transcribed from the library and the Globe and the Hall of Records, you can go check these independently, but here are the transcriptions. That's going to carry more weight than it does today, because that's the only way to do it. 
that's fair. So basically, you, what you will want to be doing, okay, is getting used to, is trying to see if you can get get down to the because every newspaper station like this has has something like a morgue, right, with all these newspaper clipping files that are just put down there once they're once they're dead, so to speak. The general public doesn't always get to go in and look at that though, so you'll need to have some kind of a story to do so. So we cut to you walking in the front door of the Boston Globe. You can hear the rat tat tat of dozens of typewriters, people shouting, cigarette smoke suffuses the entire air, people screaming in the background, the stench of burnt coffee. You can see that there's a clerk. The desk clerk uh, appears to be a sort of a young, fresh-faced lad in maybe early 20s or so with freckles and curly red hair. Um, he's currently sitting there with a pencil behind his ear, tapping away on a, on a typewriter. It's his name, Jimmy Olsen. What a scoop! <laughs> <laughs> My best pal, Superman's. Okay, no, sorry. Okay, so he's tapping away on a typewriter, and then as you walk in, he looks up, takes the pen, the, the, the pencil from behind his ear, and says, "Hey, can I help you? Do you want to take the lead on this one, Jones?" Um, I was thinking maybe I'll talk to the police, but you know, you can split up. You, can, you know, this is D and D. You can split the party if you want to cover more ground. Um, well, what would you would you prefer to do with the police or the, the scoop? I think we stick together. Yes, but talking wise, yeah, I didn't mean talking physically wise, split up. Yeah, yeah. Talking wise, I'm happy to take this one if you okay. want to talk and to I'll, the police. I'll talk to the polizia. Okay. So you approach him. He looks you up and down. And just say, um, we are looking for some records uh, surrounding the Corbett House, this dodgy church whose name I've forgotten because it's got a real long name. Keeper of Secrets was the interesting part. Okay. Um, so realistically, you would only need to tell him that you were looking to get access to the morgue, um, which is what they call it. Oh, okay. You can tell him all you want, but I mean, as long as you get access to there, you can find your own... Okay. Areas down there, but yeah. Well, then I'll rewind that okay. and I'll say, Hi, my name is Keiko. I'm just looking for access to the morgue, as I hear you call it. Uh, sure, doll. Can I ask what for? Uh, yes. I'm just looking to uh, find some records on the Corbett House. He sort of frowns and says, uh, uh, Corbett House, Corbett House. Um, um, okay, uh, are you a uh, member of the estate? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I have, however, been tasked with finding this information out by the current owner. Okay, give me a persuade roll. Look, it's, it's very matter of fact, and frankly, he doesn't care that much. Uh, so go and go ahead and give me, I'll, I'll give you a bonus die. Seven. Wow. Okay. So he's a, so he, that, that's got to be a critical a success. Yeah. Yeah. So he is utterly charmed by you. Yeah. He, he just, he just stands up. You can see him like smoothing his hair back and adjusting his little tie, his bow tie. And no, it's a regular tie. He adjusts his tie, smooths his hair back and says, uh, oh, sure thing, doll. Let me show you down. And like just sort of, you know, it takes you right down to the morgue and offers to help you file things and, you know, look around for stuff. So yeah, you can uh, definitely have a good search in here. In fact, with him helping you, 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 won't even really need to make a library use roll because he'll just give you all the clippings and such that, that were there. So first of all, you find a couple of things. You find the same unpublished uh, news story that you found at the library, uh, but you also find that uh, supposedly there was a gigantic police raid on the church and apparently a story was being uh, typed up in secret, but then was squashed and was not allowed to be put in the papers. What year was this? 1912? That is correct, yes. Who squashed it? Is it the cops, the cops there. Oh, yeah. Cool. And the house? Honestly, the only thing of note that you find here is just that one other unpublished story about the basically just commenting on the, the bad luck of a house type thing, right? Which is that whole sequence of events of all these tragedies that have occurred and all that mm. kind of thing. However, 
there is an extra note here which also mentions that the most recent family were not sick but were actually deemed insane and are now currently residing in the local insane asylum. And this is the Macarios? Yes, that's correct. So they weren't physically sick, they went nuts, and they are the, the, the parents, both of them, are alive in the uh, sanatorium, mm-hmm. and their children were taken away from them to live with relatives interstate. Yeah, so that's somebody else to speak to. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you find. Yeah, so some, some big police raid on the church occurred. Okay. I definitely think that that's all we're going to find here. All right. Um, the police is, is going to be our next stop, but how are we going to get them to co- cooperate? We're not police. Do you have any connections I don't know about? I don't know, said the professor, looking at a sheet of paper. I think we try and maybe charm the police, you know, say that we're just doing a bit of... Maybe we're hired by the owner just to look into the details. We're essentially private investigators, and we're willing to turn over anything we find about any criminal activity, past, present, or future, over to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, particularly if it happens to be... Actually, I've got a tack for this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's Honestly, as, as as seasoned investigators, it is not. This is not the first time you've had yeah. to convince a police station mm. to give you access. to... And we're licensed, credibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. from a university, no less. Exactly right. Let's so, just go to the police station, and I'll uh, try and I'll, I've got I've got a line here. All right. So as you approach the police station, you know, once again, it's a relatively old-looking sort of government building, just that sort of brown brick and yeah. uh, tall spires. As you walk in the front, you can once again, it's pretty quiet in here. Actually, um, there's lots of Lots of desks and lots of people working at their desks, but most people are out and about. And those that are stuck in here doing paperwork are doing it relatively quietly. Mm. There's a couple of people that are handcuffed in that sort of waiting room area, but they're behaving and just, yeah. you know, sort of sitting there. Most of them look like they're drunk. Yeah. Honestly, they've probably been brought in for uh, various things relating to um, public intoxication. Yeah. It, exactly. I, leave, I leave my idol in the car. There's a very, yeah. There's a very miserable looking young man who looks like he's about to throw up in the corner. And another guy there is actually half asleep, an older mm. guy. So as you approach, you can see that there's a, an enormous, overweight police officer behind the counter. He's got a sort of tan skin, a big, a big bushy moustache. He looks um, uh, probably Italian-American, you think? Yeah. And he says, uh, hello, can I help you? I'm certainly hoping that you can. We are PIs from Miskatonic, and I'll flip it, I don't know, I'll show them a, uh, a card that basically says SDO, the SEU. Yeah, you know, you have your membership card. Uh, we were hoping to speak to your chief inspector here about accessing some files. Well, I'm the one that can okay people... Uh, who can access files, but uh, uh, what's it about? Is it really needed? Well, let's just say this. We've been hired by a certain interested party to investigate the Corbett House. We have noticed a number of different things throughout the eras, and we think it may be a front for criminal activity. So what we'll do is, on your behalf, no effort for you, we're going to investigate this, and anything we find about any crimes, past, present, or future, we'll hand right over to you. Okay. We're of the opinion, too, that it may be a mob front, possibly, you know, going on its old haunted reputation to turn into like a speakeasy or possibly somewhere's place they're distributing illegal hooch. <laughs> okay, that's good. Now, that's we've got no interest <laughs> in this, but we're quite happy to pass over our findings to you. That's very good. Okay, so that's a fast talk roll and you can give me, I'll definitely give you a bonus die for that. Yes, I don't actually have fast talk. I'm sort of going more for charm or perhaps well, persuade or something. Well, similar to D&D that when you're lying, that's fast talk. I suppose. Oh, the only bit that I'm lying is that we think it's a mob front, but... Uh... Okay, well... 
I've got a fast talk of nothing, so... Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give it to you as a charm roll, but with no bonus dice. Yeah, that's because Just because there's, there's a little bit of deception in there. So if, 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 I, I see what you mean, because it's borderline. The whole thing isn't a lie. Just, I just tacked on the bit about the mob. We believe it to be a mob front. That's fine. I guess I could okay. say, if it was a mob front for selling old hooch, we'll let you know. Although, realistically, you're not really charming him. You're, no. This is a persuade roll. It is. That's definitely true. So that's ten. So let's see if I can get less than ten. Do let. So you have a bonus... Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a bonus die, but it has to be persuade. Okay. I think the chances are fairly low here, but let's go. Um, well, I got 24, which is still way double what I need, because persuade is 10. So. He says, he says, ah, forget it. I'm not learning any more PIs nosing about. We had one last week that was a real troublemaker. Scram. You can try instead now, if you like. Pick up his slack. <laughs> All right, so I was just going to quickly ask, you know, a PI asking about the same things, or...? Oh, no, different different thing altogether, but I get PIs in here all the time. I understand. We keep extensive records. We're not quite of the same breed as your usual PI. Um, have you heard of Miskatonic University? Uh, no, I have not, ma'am. Well, the organization that we work for is somewhat of a benevolent one. We don't really do this for cash. We do it just to help people, which is definitely like a fast talk <laughs> lie because we are being paid for this one. Yeah, but we're not doing it for the cash. We're doing it to... We do it because we're told to do it as part of the organization. But anyway, mm. she's just going to say, you know, listen, if you do help us out it'll allow us to help people now you're just off asking information about the church is that correct that's we're all you've we're asked just about? after the well we're after the whole police reports about the incidents yeah like okay the church other incidences our curiosity about the church is actually linked to corbett house there's been quite a few families that have been affected by their time there and the people that we have been employed by are asking us to ensure that we give them the go ahead to let more people stay there. Well, I believe at this stage that it's not safe to do so. We need to get to the bottom of this to understand why these things are happening so we can make sure they don't happen again. Now, this is your neighborhood, and I assume that your purpose as police is to keep people safe. If we can find out what's causing this from happening and stop it from happening, or worst case scenario, tell our employer that no more people are to reside there, then you will have saved lives. Okay, that's pretty good. Give me a roll, give me a roll and you may have a bonus die as well. I like that. Okay, this is 70, so that's not good. And 10. Wow. So no, is it 100? That's 100. No, 100 is the double zeros. Oh, 100 is double zeros. So it is... is so that's that, 10. T- it is 10 then. Woo! Okay. Yeah. I always get confused with that. <laughs> no, that's okay. So that's a critical success, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, under 40, no. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. It's no. under 20, which is my half, but not my quarter. Oh, your, it's your 40, not 50 for your persuade? Is that yeah. correct? Okay, that's that's fine. Well, hey, look, it's still a success. So he just sort of like takes a deep breath, takes a big sip of clearly burnt coffee, which which is probably good a little bit of whiskey in it and just sort of says alright fine and he leads you with a grunt and a, uh, a groan and a creak of his chair he gets up and he leads you effectively back to a, a file room and allows you access to some police records so you're essentially you're in a basement right now opening up filing cabinets and going through paperwork so you can go ahead and give me a, uh, a library use or a research role that is five under 50, which is critical success. Fantastic. Okay, so you find everything that you need. You find it quickly. You, you are honestly 20 minutes in here and you find exactly what you need. So you find everything you need to know about the, the secret raid on the Chapel of Contemplation. 
The police raid was occasioned by affidavits swearing that members of the church were responsible for the disappearance of neighborhood children. During the raid, three policemen and 17, what they describe here, their words, cult members, were killed by gunplay or gunfire. Or fire, sorry, gunplay or fire because the church burnt down during the raid. Autopsy reports are singularly lacking detail and they are all uninformative. And there's some sort of side notes from the officers about how frustrating that was. As though the coroner had not actually performed any examinations at all. 54 members of the church were arrested and all but eight were released, however. The records hint of legal intervention in the proceedings by an important local official offering stories of the battle, the biggest criminal action in the city's history that never made print. So and what were they doing then? Well, the detail... stealing children. So supposedly, they were kidnapping children. Children that were never found. Children's corpses never found. But apparently the response for the police raid was so violent and brutal, and the cult in that particular church was so well armed, that they just had that enormous shootout. Basically the biggest incident of violence like this that never made the papers. Did the case continue after that, though? Were they able to resolve in any way, shape, or form what... As, as mentioned... Some were, were deemed to be just, you know, effectively indoctrinated members of the cult and they were released. Eight were not, and they're still in jail to this day. Ah. Under charges of child kidnapping. Of ki- a kidnapping and attempted murder on police officers, because apparently they opened fire first. Okay. Uh, Pastor Michael Thomas was arrested and sentenced to 40 years in prison on five counts of second-degree murder. However, he escaped from prison in 1917 and fled the state. Never found. What date was that? 1917. 1917. Three years ago. Mm. So, we cut to you walking out of the police station onto the steps. There's a cold autumn wind, a few autumn leaves rustle past you, along with some some trash. Maybe a a newspaper flopping along the street. Uh, What do you do? I think it points pretty clearly to the church's involvement here. Sure, but it doesn't explain why, nor their ability to access each family that was moved into that property. Did each family have a connection with the church and then they were moved into the house? Or did the church, continuing past their apparent closure, continue to target people within that? It still doesn't add up. It may be that, yeah, something very valuable is in that house, possibly related to the church, and they've been trying to keep it unoccupied for long enough to exhume it or dig it up or whatever. Say they thought the body that was possibly buried in the basement some kind of holy relic in their deranged state. They'd need time and access to be able to do that. So every family that moves in, they poison somehow, you know, some sort of poison that drives people mad, like Rajija, and, um, you know, drive them off. It's never long enough, and another family moves in. Could be something as simple and as banal as that. I say simple, but you know what I mean. There's certainly a couple of things it could be. So there's still some areas you can go to to find more information. You clearly need more information at this stage. So I think it's time things, to hit the house. Yeah, the thing the thing that we can do as a part, like our list of, of objectives, and we can do in whatever order, would be to speak to the undertaker, as you previously mm. said. Speak to the Macar who are now in the insane asylum um, speak to the neighbours and obviously attend the house as well. So I think that we actually go and check the house out. And there's also speaking to the cult members who are still in jail. Um, That'll be very difficult to organise and probably beyond the abilities of you to wrangle. But there's also the church the burnt out remains of the church yeah, are still there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say mm, okay. is um, whether or not it's still operational it'll be hard to tell. If it was operational perhaps they are still working from that location 
information in secret. If not, though, it may lead some clues to, you know, where they may be operating from now, assuming that they are. Of course, um, the church may just be a giant red herring. It may simply be that this house is, you know, severely damaged. The incidents are all linked by the reverend, who we cannot speak to now, as he has seemingly escaped from prison, which is an interesting feat in itself. I say we probably just go to the house, um, but uh, we need to make some precautions. And she takes out a pair of her leather gloves, mm-hmm. hoping and assuming that you have the same. I do. And then we'll, you know, th- you'd probably have both of these, a couple of bandanas or something mm. like that, um, and fix them around our face. Oh, okay. If it is something airborne, like Absolutely. like black mold, black mold that would exactly that would be exactly what I would do. Is mm-hmm. making sure that I can't touch anything, making mm-hmm. sure that I'm not breathing anything in. Some kind of pestilence or protrescence coming from the basement. Maybe a fluvium, you know, dissolved mm-hmm. bone yep. in the water ma- in the water tank. She would also. She doesn't have this. So her her biggest skill is biology and science, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. She does have a science kit. Cool. Because she'd be wanting to do some testing and this point absolutely that makes perfect sense so just just so i'm clear rather than going to the chapel or the remains of the chapel of contemplation or the sanitarium you would like to proceed to directly to the house yeah okay no you can do that i think also stopping by the hardware store on the way i'm going to pick up a pickaxe and a shovel and an axe done that's uh, fine. like 50 cents each or something yeah that's so. we'll have a short montage of you walking into a hardware store and purchasing those things axe that's... pickaxe and shovel axe pickaxe and shovel done and done so thus armed with your new digging equipment and well, I guess uh, general construction and destruction equipment you load up your car with these tools and you proceed to the house itself thanks for listening to shared sagas all music on the show is used under creative commons Check the episode notes for full details.